Good evening. This is Didi Banks at the table, and I hope all is well with all of you. Come on in and have a seat at the table, and let's talk some more about narcissism. Um, I am on episode five, and I'm going to go right into it. So this is part one. The question was, what are the common characteristics of white knight narcissists? That's I was um, given to Eleanor Greenberg. So Eleanor says this. White knight narcissist is my term for someone with a narcissistic personality disorder who likes to be seen as a good person. They get their narcissistic supplies by doing helpful things for other people. This is in direct contrast to malignant narcissists, who I am calling black knights, who get their narcissistic supplies from sadistically setting out to demolish other people's self-esteem and pleasure in life. White knights are still narcissists, despite their desire to be seen as helpful, generous, and kind. This means that they still have shaky self-esteem, lack whole object relations and object consistency. They cannot see themselves or other people in stable, integrated and realistic way as simultaneously having both liked and disliked traits. Are extremely self-centered. They lack emotional empathy and cannot feel other people's joy or sadness or care deeply about anyone else's feelings. They are preoccupied with their place in whatever status hierarchy matters to them. They want to be seen as special. They devalue other people when it suits them. So what are the characteristics? So what characteristics are specific to white knight narcissists? Well, this is what she said. They want you to think that they are good people. They will do favors for other people that make them look good. If they are wealthy, they are likely to be philanthropists who give away large sums of money to causes that they support as long as they get public recognition to do so. Some are good neighbor narcissists. And but what I mean by this is they mean that they will offer to pick up groceries for sick neighbors or help someone to pick up their window screens or do some other type of chore. Helping people makes them feel important and enhances their self-esteem. So what is it like being their spouse? She said this. At first, people think that they have hit the jackpot and are with someone who is genuinely kind and caring. They may have met a uh, met at a charity event or as volunteers in a homeless shelter. But over time, they see less and less of the person's good side. They begin to notice that there is little intimacy in their relationship. Now that they are wedded, the good deeds always seem to be done for someone else at their expense. In some cases, the person may take off the mask of do-gooder, at home and after a while their behavior may become just as devaluing and hurtful 
to their spouse as any other type of narcissist. She gave an example, Betty and Sue, Barry and Sue. When nar- narcissistic Barry first met single mother Sue, he could not do enough for her and her three-year-old son. He did all the little chores around the house without being asked. He replaced burnt-out light bulbs, cleaned out the garage, and helped Sue to repaint her son's bedroom. After they were married, he gradually switched to doing less at home and more for strangers. It was like he had absorbed enough praise from Sue and now needed to uh, please other people to feel good about himself. When Sue complained that Barry was never at home anymore, he devalued her instead of examining his own behavior. When did you become so selfish and so self-centered, she asked him. The reality was that Barry did not know how to actually be intimate with other human beings. He had no real interest in other people except for getting their validation that he was a good person. He substituted doing chores and being helpful for having meaningful conversations or paying attention to what Sue said her real needs were. So as Sue put it, I liked that Barry was so helpful, but I did not want to marry a handyman. I need a husband who cares more about my emotional needs and less about whatever chores needs to be done. So what is it like working for them? You might think that they would be loved by their staff, but that is not usually the case. I saw a man in therapy who worked for a well-known charity. He was in therapy to find ways to handle his narcissistic boss. He described the man as a public hero and a private tyrant. As the face of the charity, the boss was portrayed in the media as a fighter for the rights of the downtrodden. Those who worked for him saw his other side. He devalued his colleagues and everyone who worked for him was afraid of incurring his raft. He had a bad temper and thought nothing of publicly humiliating anyone who displeased him. In reality, he was more horror than hero, despite his public persona as a good guy. So here's the punchline. White knight narcissists get their narcissistic supplies from doing good deeds and being seen as this great human being. The reality is that doing good deeds is just another way for them to seize the spotlight and shore up their shaky self-esteem. Having said that, I still recognize that many of us have benefited have many of us have benefited from white knight narcissists. Uh, the narcissists need to be seen as special and that this is preferable than them actively wanting to harm other people. Eleanor Greenberg, she has a PhD in uh, CGP. You know, I don't know what that is, but um, uh, she uh, she broke it down too, and I, I thank her for that. That was very good information. Now let's go to part two really fast. Um, so this question was, why 
Do Narcissists Get Married? This is by Stacy Rudin. So narcissists do not get married. They take prisoners. When he finds a new supply, the narcissist loves the way this person makes him feel about himself. He has no interest in who the other person is, only in her ability to feed his ego. He really does hope and maybe even believe that this person may be the one to permanently fill up the emptiness inside of him. However, he is destined for disappointment. The idealization phase has a shelf life. The new supply is a real human and her shiny veneer of newness will fade. She cannot feel the narcissist's emptiness forever. The narcissist will eventually realize this, feel deeply disappointed, blame it all on the supply. She is flawed and she tricked me. Devalue her and go out searching for new sources of supply. Add infinitum and nauseum forever and ever. Amen. This is funny. The marriage will the marriage still serves the narcissist, not his spouse. In that it gives him the appearance of normalcy and the cover he needs to move out and about in the world, unsuspected. Supremely concerned about image, he will forbid his spouse from describing what is really going on with him and in the marriage. If she complies, the narcissist can then seek out additional supply sources while conning them into believing that he tries to be a great husband and dad, but his wife is crazy and neglects him. Poor little lamb, the innocent victim narcissist. Marriage also gives narcissists a reliable source of supply, a person on whom he can project all of his negative emotions for processing. Narcissists need constant attention and cannot be alone. They cannot live without external validation and emotional ego support. That's why they always secure a place replacement relationship before leaving their current partner. This allows a narcissist to paint themselves as wearing the white hat. See, this awesome new person wants me and you are alone. You are the cause of all of our problems that are divorced. I told you that you were the villain. In short, marriage serves the narcissist in many ways, but it does nothing except damage his spouse. It is a parasitic relationship that gradually, imperceptibly drains the life out of the narcissist's spouse. Okay, that is part two. So, I think that I want to, uh, I want to go to, oh man, let's do a one more. Let's do a part three. And this one says, why does a narcissist disappear right after promising you Let's see, right after promising to contact you. All right. This is by a person called self-made. I don't, they didn't want to be identified. Okay, so let's see what self-made says. 
There will be many reasons to this. However, from my experience, it could be a psychological tactic for you to chase them and for you to question yourself. Why did this person why did this person ghosted me after having a great time? It's an attention-seeking way to chase them. Also, you have to remember with most narcissists is that you are not the only one because of their infinite need of attention supply. They most likely have a harem of people that consists of exes, admirers, co-workers, etc. that they have had an opportunity to draw from, especially if they are attractive. Always remember, with narcissists, you fall in love with a persona, not their true selves. That is very true. These people don't have a true self of identity much like sociopaths they thrive off making your life miserable because narcissists lack empathy of which you consist of so they try to make your life full of confusion based off projection and gaslighting they probably disappear because you were too much for them intelligent and an investigator etc or they feel you didn't have the resources to level them up for new supply through money and or class or social status. In the end, be grateful for them to do that they that have saved you years of emotional and psychological turmoil. Turmoil. Okay, that's part 1, 2 and 3. So, what do you think? It's very good, isn't it? That is very good stuff. So, here we are and I'm giving you different um ways at looking at the narcissist and questions that are being raised about them and things that they do. The sneaky little critters what they do and how they come into your life and they love bomb you. and you really think you got it going on with this dude you think you have found the lover of your life you know social media is very popular right now due to this pandemic and a lot of women are online and a lot of women older women uh, are online looking for love and you know that really really uh, concerns me because when you're a older woman you're not used to these slick games and i mean um narcissists They are they have been uh practicing this since they were like 8 years old. So if you meet a narcissist at an older age, it can be very very devastating, especially for women that were married for very very long lengths of time and their mate passed away or they got divorced and they're out there in the dating world. Uh looking good, have money, and uh they're vulnerable for the narcissist because the narcissist is like a snake. They sit back, they watch you. they they um mimic you and then they go in for the kill. I remember back in the day when I used to go to the clubs in the 90s and I had been in the Washington DC area uh since the um um almost the late 80s and I just remember whenever I would go out. I I'm a little shy, but I would always sit there and listen to music and I don't I don't really uh, look at men. I don't 
hot men. Um, you know, if they come in my path, fine. But I'm not one. If he's really good looking and got it going on, I'm not the kind of person that send off vibes like, ooh, I would sure like to get with you. I've just never been that type of woman. Um, so I sit there and, and would sit in my chair and hear the little geezers come. And so what they did was they would always try to study me and to try to figure out what type of woman I am. And by me telling them that I'm, I was from the West Coast and, and uh, the way I spoke and everything was different, a different dialect. And so they were like trying to go in for the kill. So um, I would just remember the times how they really, really tried to run game on me. And a couple of them did. But one thing about me as a woman, I always made sure that a man respected me. Uh, when I was in public, I never put up with any disrespect from a man. And if they did disrespect me, they would get ditched right there. I would never put up with that. But I remember um, times in my life, I was so green at uh, dating these type of men because um, coming from the West, you know, it was just different. I just had never really dated until I moved to the Washington, D.C. area. But those brothers are so fine and they are so smooth and so smart and so slick and man there's a couple of times I got caught up and uh, I just look back now and think man there are a lot of narcissists in the bigger cities like in the D Washington DC area because that's the power area you know that's the area of power um, they're educated and a lot of them have very good jobs and you know by that you know we're it's a political arena and so the games are very fast and strong, but um, now that I know what a narcissist is, and I look back, and and it's so funny how God revealed to me, um, there's about a, maybe three or four of them that I dated, uh, some very wealthy, and some were so-so, and some just didn't have nothing, but here nor there, I just remember it, and I was hurt by the narcissist. The narcissists were the ones that really, really got to my heart. Uh, more than the ones that weren't a narcissist. But I, I learned a lot and I thank God for that. But I just, um, I thank God that uh, the Lord repaired my heart from this because of the danger of it. And it can definitely devastate you uh, and destroy you. I mean, destroy you to the point where you never want to date again, or some people have committed suicide. So uh, we have to be careful, men and women. Um, they don't know any better. They have no feelings at all. So uh, we just have to be wiser today uh, because there's we don't have time for games anymore. We have to look at people for who they really, really are. And you have to be smart enough to know games. Don't be giving up your money. You know, don't be buying men. You know, a lot of women, we have money and we, we um, uh, want to be loved so bad that we share our money because a narcissist will love bomb you so bad you want to do any and everything for them but a man is supposed to be a man and you need to allow a man to be a man and if you don't allow a man to come to you as a man then uh we are bound to definitely get our feelings hurt amen and for men who women are narcissists they look out to get whatever they can from a man so men have to be very very cautious and careful about uh, overspending and do so much about a woman until you really, really get to know her. And I believe in 
when two people meet one another, you have to be equal. There's no way that me as a woman can say, I want a man that he better be this, 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 and this, and I'm not that myself. That is not fair. So when we are out seeking a man or a woman, you have to at least match wherever that person is. If you don't have, if they don't have, you don't have what you're looking for, your own self, you need to go somewhere and sit down and get that because you are cheating someone out of a good life. The When you come together as, as one, as whole, and each of you are looking for the same thing, you have the best relationships. So anyway, I'm talking about friendships, I'm talking about marriage, and I'm talking about dating. Okay? It has to be balanced. So watch out for these people and uh, I want you to take care of yourself until we meet again. Fourth of July weekend is coming up. I want to make sure that I say to you that I love you and I want to speak to you again. I hope nothing happens to you. You stay safe. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and practice social distancing because the numbers are going up. Okay? I love you and you have a good Uh, rest of the evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is. And uh, we will speak again. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the day that you've given us to start all over. Okay? To start all over. Our life is not promised to us. We don't take it. We don't want to take it for granted. So we thank you today. Forgive us for our sins. Anything that is unlike you, Father God, forgive us. We know what we do, and sometimes we don't know what we do, but we're asking for forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless us immensely. Keep us safe and in your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, until we meet again, we're going to do episode number six. I think I'm going to do like maybe... Um, maybe nine episodes of narcissism about all of the characteristics, how they do, all their games, and then I'm going to share with you how to get rid of them, okay? We're going to talk about people who got rid of them and how they have happy, fulfilling lives, all right? So until we meet again, peace.